Welcome to Impact the World, a podcast from West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is where we discuss topics related to how we can all love God, love people, and impact the world. Here's your host, Tara Hayes. I am your host, Tara Hayes, and I'm very excited that you've joined us today on the podcast. We just recently started a series in August called Faith and Family, and we're having special classes on Sunday morning, this particular Sunday morning. And as part of those classes, my very special co-host, Matthew Goldstein. It's good to be back. It's good to have you. Is going to sit and have a conversation with me about singleness in the church and the importance of that. Um, and what you as a listening audience needs to know is we have a live audience. Everybody say hi. Hello. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you could hear that, but we have a lovely audience. So if you hear interaction, that's that's where that's coming from. Um, but we're excited to have this conversation because um, there's a lot to talk about. There is. In the church. And I think really to kick it off, let's just talk about the big question of why does this conversation matter? Yeah, this, this conversation matters first and foremost because single people matter. Yeah, that's right. When we think about the church, when we think about Christianity, we are first and foremost making up the family of God, which is what uh, our sermons were geared towards last Sunday. Right. And so before we can even talk about what family looks like in the church for um, married couples, we need to talk about what it means for just Christians as a whole to be in the family of God. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of times in a culture that's so geared towards marriage, single people can often be overlooked, um, even in the church. And so people will... And not intentionally. Yeah, and it's, it's... A lot of people will speak to what their audience is, and they'll default to their... So in a lot of churches, for instance, if you have pastors who are married, then when they preach, it's natural that like the examples that come to mind are going to be related right. to their families and their marriages. And so sometimes people can just get excluded, however unintentionally it right. is. And so we want to remind people that uh, single people do matter. They make up a lot of the church. Um, I saw one study that said about 40% of Christians between the age of 30 and 64 are single. That's a large percentage. It is. And that's not even including people right in their like teens and 20s where we know that people are getting married later and later in life to begin with. So a lot of that crowd's single. Right. And so there, there's a lot of people. Yeah, and even over 64, people are living longer. Right. And they're active later in life. So even that, that is a large group of people too. Right. So, yeah, I, I think another important thing about this conversation that we're going to have today, yes, it's about how important singles are in the church, but it's also, for those that are listening to the podcast, an encouragement to reach out to those single people mm -hmm. and make them a part. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that right. um, as we get later into the, the podcast. So, okay, so we've talked about why this conversation is important. Um, because single people do matter, and it's a large percentage of our church, honestly. So let's talk about big questions, like what is the biblical perspective? Because I think it's very important that what we're talking about today has a biblical perspective. It's not just what is the world telling us, right. what is our culture telling us. 
we need to talk about what does the Bible say. Hmm. We never want to begin with what culture says and then try to read back into it what Scripture is talking about. Right. And so when we look at Scripture, you know, our first goal isn't to just try and cherry pick a verse or two <laughs> and go from there, but we want to look at what the entire storyline of Scripture is and see how, in this case, marriage and singleness fits into that meta narrative of Scripture and go from there. And so when we look at the storyline of Scripture, we see that the pinnacle of human existence is not whether or not people get married, right? The, the pinnacle is that it's about people being reunited with God. Right. In a Genesis 1 and 2 world where people are in communion with God, there's no sin yet, we see that there is this union between God and his people that he has created, and sin destroys that. And so as we trace through the entire storyline of the Bible, the whole point is that it's this rescue story of God coming to get his people back. Right. When we end uh, in, in Revelation and we see heaven and earth have been reunited, right? God and his people are back together and they will be together for all eternity. And like that is so, so key to our understanding of what singleness and marriage look like in scripture. Right. And so when we have that perspective, when we see that um, the pinnacle is what marriage points to, not just the fact that it exists for humans, then we can see what, you know, those individual verses might mean uh, yeah. in reference to. And so the, the biggest one to talk about is probably the most well-known, and that's Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 7. Right. Right. He's talking to um, Marry people, he's talking to single people, and it's just a lot of different pieces of advice and pieces of wisdom. And so we can just kind of work through yeah. some of that text yeah, and see what he that, says there. That, um, in First Corinthians. Yeah, so as he starts, First um, Corinthians 7, verse 6, I'll just read a couple verses here. He says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they can't exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than burn with passion. And so there's a lot of interpretive questions <laughs> that come up when we're talking about this yeah, A lot of conversation passage. on that passage. <laughs> a lot of conversation, and it's not all within the scope of, of what we're talking about today. Um, but one thing that I really want to highlight is that Paul is really making clear that singleness is not just a secondary way of life for Christians. It's very, first and foremost, equally valid to what marriage is. Right, right. And I, he makes that very clear in this passage. And you even, we'll talk about, we'll explore that a little bit more about mm -hmm the benefit of his singleness right in in the future um and of course we'll also touch on the ultimate ex um, example of Jesus Christ right and we'll get to that a little bit later but I think this passage talks about um in particular that it is a gift hmm. so I think some people will be like that's a gift I want to give back <laughs> right or maybe some people are like that's a gift I'd like to have again <laughs> you know, it can go both ways, but what does that word in this passage really mean as a gift? Because we do often set up gift as the ultimate, hmm. um, 
that's the ultimate prize to be attained. Right. And that's not necessarily what it means in this passage. Right. So let me answer that question by, I'm going to set up two pieces of historical context, and then I'll answer your question. Okay. So in Paul's day, when he's writing this, he's writing to an audience of people who marriage was the default. It was the really only the right way of life. Something they saw was wrong with you if you weren't married. And so when he's writing, this is wildly new to them to say, hey, no, singleness is not a bad thing. It's actually very, very good. And Christianity, the way that it's ordered, was the first major religion or worldview that really had singleness as a way of life that that was possible. You know, um, when you shared your notes with me about reading this today, you know, I was single until I was 41 years old. Mm. And I'd never thought about it that way. Right. That Christianity is that first, the first religion, I mean, I wouldn't call it, that has that as a viable, as a gift, Hmm. (laughs) um, and a way of life. Right. I love that. And especially for women, because in the, in the day, like economically. Right. Oh, yeah. If you were not married. If you weren't married, you were automatically in a very tough position financially. And the way that Christianity was set up, uh, especially toward widows, now there's a way that people can be provided for outside of the context of marriage. And so it's a gift first and foremost in the sense that it is a valid way of life where you are not inherently going to be suffering (laughs) or left in need just because of your singleness. Um, On top of that, Paul is talking in a context where in the letter of 1 Corinthians, he's about to talk about spiritual gifts um, here in a few chapters. And so when he gets to that point, the word that he uses is the same word that he's using here. So we think about spiritual gifts like teaching or administration or prophecy or whatever else it is. And we need to understand that, that when Paul's talking about a gift of singleness, sometimes people get it in their heads that we need to be looking around for well, has God told me that I need to be single forever? What does it look like for me to have, quote unquote, the gift of singleness? And it gets treated in church circles like it's this stamp that we need to find out that we've got. And if you get it, you've got it forever and nothing can ever change. Right. right. But that's not really what Paul's saying here. No. And I'm, I'm leaning on um, J.D. Greer a lot. I, I really like the way he's... Uh, written about this topic. But when Paul's saying gift here, what he's really getting at is that it's the current state that you're in. So you don't have to overcomplicate it. (laughs) People don't need to sit back and sing. So single people don't need to sit back and spend their days agonizing over whether or not God has called them to a life of singleness. And married people don't need to sit back and say, did I make the wrong decision? Did God want me to spend my life single and now I need to sit back and, and think, well, no, I've, I've just messed up and chosen right. the wrong thing and now I'm outside of God's will. Like, that's not the point. What he's really saying is it's just whatever season of life you're in. So if you woke up this morning and you're a single person, congratulations, you have the <laughs> gift of singleness, biblically. And if you woke up this morning and you're married, congratulations, <laughs> this morning you have the gift of marriage. Yeah, and I, 
I think um, often when we think of gifts, we think of them as being something that is for our benefit. Yes. But here, this gift is not just for our benefit. Mm. Um, and I think that's a reminder that we all need. What, whichever gift you are currently experiencing, whether it's the gift of singleness or marriage, those gifts, just like spiritual gifts, are not just for our benefit. Hmm. If somebody's got the gift of teaching, like you think of Sam, who's just such a great and gifted teacher and preacher, but the reason why Pastor Sam's gifted isn't so that he can go home and pat himself on the back and say, man, I'm really good at this. <laughs> he's gifted. He's been given a gift by God so that he can now go into the church and use that gift for the edification, for the building up of the church. And so likewise, when we think about our singleness or our marriages, it's not for our own fulfillment. Like we, ha we have to remember the Bible's not all about us. We are not the center of the universe. The things that we've been gifted with are for the sake of being able to help others. And of course, our singleness and marriage will affect us individually. Right. But we need to think about how this actually plays out in the church. Well, I was going to say that let's give some um, application to that. Something like, what does that look like? So if our... If our singleness is a gift to us, then in within the church, how does that play out hmm. in, a, in a appl an application? Well, first of all, I would say that it, this doesn't mean that every church needs to have like a full-on singles ministry. I think that this is less common nowadays. Um, but to, to minister effectively to people, you don't have to necessarily have a specific ministry that has a name and a title and a room that you meet in every time. I think there's other things that, that play into that. And so first and foremost, I would say we need to have a, a church-wide perspective shift to say that marriage is not God's plan A and singleness is God's like plan B for people who couldn't get married. Right. I think that's I a really agree. dangerous yeah. way of thinking that, that can often infiltrate the church, like not intentionally, right? but people will, by their words, by the way that they talk, Treat it like singleness is like a disease. Well, and I know, I know that when I was single, many times I do understand that struggle of feeling like my everybody, like life is passing you by hmm. because you're waiting for that one thing. And you think when that one thing happens, that's when my life will begin. Hmm. And that's not the perspective that God wants us to have no, at absolutely all not. as a single person or as married people. Like when they get married, then they'll do whatever. That's just, that's not at all the biblical perspective. I remember that feeling so well of life is just flying by me. My friends are getting married. I remember one day in particular, I sat down and Every one of my friends at that point had gotten married. And I thought, oh, my word, I, I'm just going to be here all by myself for the rest of my life. You know, but then God re reminded me he's created me the way that I am and put me where I am for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the shift that really helped me be like, okay, so God, so there is, there's a reason, right? There's a purpose for that. So what do I need to be doing with that? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to how we engage in ministry together. 
think the church is a community as a whole with people from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life. And so single people and married people really need each other. Yeah. We don't want there to be just a bunch of single people who hang out and they're completely separate from all the married people. And now there's two factions of the right. church that are, <laughs> are separate. We want people to be engaging in ministry together. And I think you've talked about in your own personal experience, like when you were single, spending a lot of time with married couples, right? Yeah, it's, it's hugely important. And I think um, for those that are listening that might be listening this episode that are married, it's it it's vital for you to have friends that are married that are single. Um, they add so much hmm. to your friend. I mean, I was really when when I was single, and I felt like all my friends were married. Well, because basically they were, but I had families that really brought me in and made me a part of their family, and I felt like I was a part of their family, not like I was just there to babysit their kids. Hmm or there to run an errand for them. I felt like they brought me in. I had meals with them. I, you know, I experienced life with them and that's important. Mm -hmm. And so that's really um, one of the things that I wanted to stress through this episode is that it is, it's vital to the community of the church that married people bring in your single friends and make them a part of your family. Right. Because singleness doesn't mean a lack of community. Right. Like it shouldn't. And I think that's a very mistaken view in the church today, not just in our church, but right. in churches in general, in general, is that marriage is what it means to have companionship and intimacy and community. And if you're single, you by default are having to miss out on all of those things. And I think like that view would have been so foreign to the early church. Right. They wouldn't have even, it, they wouldn't have recognized that. And I think it's important to, to recognize that marriage isn't the cure to loneliness. The church is. Right. Marriage can't cure loneliness. And no. I'm not married, so you can, you can correct me if <laughs> no, I'm wrong I, on this. I mean, but. I have a great marriage, but, <laughs> you know, there, I think that any married person would tell you there are times where you can feel like, very alone and not because your spouse is doing something horrible i mean it's just that's the way of life hmm. and i think god created us to be beings that needs more than just one person to fulfill all of those relationships you have to understand as a single person going into marriage one person cannot fill every void that you have only god can do that your husband or wife will be a part of that, but marriage is not at all the cure-all hmm. for any kind of void that you may feel for community. And if you put your spouse in that position oh, to fulfill that, they'll be crushed fair. under the weight of being your idol. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They can't it's be too God much to bear. It's too much to bear. And you're going to be disappointed because they're going to let you down. Hmm. <laughs> they're going to, I mean, as much as I love my husband, you know, I'm sure I have done things that have let him down. Hmm. Um, we've, you hurt each other unintentionally. It just, it happens. It's not ever going to be the perfect situation. But I also know that, you know, single people are like, but I'd like to try that situation, <laughs> you know, but it, it just, it, 
the, the it cannot be the end all for your your community. Right, community is a church wide thing. Yeah. And one thing I think it's really important that we address is like when we talk about intimacy and companionship, there is a unique type of intimacy that comes with a marital relationship and a sexual intimacy that comes with it that a Christian would not have outside of marriage. Right. Because singleness for the Christian is a call to sexual purity, just like there's still a call to purity in a marriage relationship yes. as well. Yeah. But there's more forms to intimacy than just sex. And we have to locate where we are at within the culture. And it's no secret that we live in a very sex-obsessed culture, which, to be fair, so did the Corinthians, who Paul's <laughs> writing to. That is true. The Corinthians. They were doing a lot of wild things. And they were just as, maybe just as sex-crazed as our culture is. Because we have to recognize it's not all about sex and you can live a fulfilled, flourished human life without it. Yes. Like your life is not less than right. without a sexual relationship. That is not the core being of your identity. That's true. Yeah. You have a great quote. I do. So if you guys don't know who Rebecca McLaughlin is, I highly recommend her. She's like a, a scholar and writer up in Cambridge, I think. And she has a book called... Um, confronting Christianity, I think, is what it's called. That's a really good book. Highly recommend. Uh, but she has a quote where she says, you won't wither without sex, but you will wither without friend and family connection. That is what a person truly needs. Yeah. Sex is not your first and foremost need as a human being. And you brought it up earlier. The best example of this is Jesus. You can't argue with Jesus as your example. <laughs> right. Jesus, I really don't think that you were fully fulfilled. <laughs> I don't think that you lived a, a flourishing human life because you didn't have sex. Right. Right. Or because you weren't married. Right. Yeah. It, it's hard to argue with that. Right. It is hard to argue with that. I think so, it's also important to bring up, you know, you asked the question, what is what should singleness be looking like in the church? And we kind of brought up and briefly touched on that it should look like ministry. And I want to just add one more thing to that. Ministry is very it's very unique in that different people in different seasons of life are able to partner with each other in ministry in unique ways. We don't want a church of only single people trying to fulfill the Great Commission, just like we don't want a church of only married people. Right. We need people from all different walks of life. And it's something that uh, Jake and I joke about all the time because, you know, Jake is married with two kids and he always says, you know, I can't up and leave very easily. No, they can't take care of themselves. No. They're little. No, he's got a he's got a lot of responsibilities at home. But me, like I'm I'm not I don't have that same level of responsibility in a family sense. So if God calls me to go do something, it's a lot easier to get up and and move and do the thing. Right. Yeah, um I would say that was one of the things from when I was single. Um I think as you and I were talking through this conversation, <laughs> I've been on a ton of mission trips. 
a ton. I I seriously have lost count. But do you know how many mission trips I've been on since I got married? How many? Zero. And that's not because I don't want to. But like you said, when I was single, when I could go on a mission trip, I thought, can I get the time off from work and can I pay for it? All right. Deuces, I'm out. I'm going to Greece or I'm going to Bangladesh or I'm going somewhere because that's what the Lord is giving me the opportunity to do. Mm. And um, I think it's so important to be open to that. Like, this is where God has me. And and I'm not saying the only way you can serve God is to go to some country three days away. Um, There are opportunities here in our in our church that need you. You know, Um, you have more opportunity than you may realize. Right. But I would also say I know I still have a lot of single friends, a lot, and I know how much some of them minister in the church and Mm -hmm. they work and there are things that are happening now in our church that wouldn't be happening if they weren't if they weren't working in that ministry if they weren't volunteering and they are a vital part I remember when I when I was single one Sunday I was up on the platform singing with the praise team and I realized everyone on the praise team was single (laughs) every single one of us and I was like look at that (laughs) We be up here leading the church in worship. And it, it, so there are things that are happening. I would love to say that our singles, I, I have, I'm friends with so many of them and they are involved. And I, I want to encourage them to keep doing that because those are the things that I look back on from when I was single and meant so much to me, the, mm. that freedom that I had to be a part of what God was calling me to do. I mean, as a married person, he's calling me to do something different. And like you said, both of them are a gift. And I think it's, again, this conversation, it's vitally important. Singles are vitally important. And married couples need to draw them in and make them a part of their family. Because they are loved. And they are important. And you brought up something about the gift right then that's so key. Because when you're not seeing your current state as a gift, when... It's always the grass is greener on the other side. You're never going to be aware of what God's trying to do with you in the season that you're actually in. That is true. If we truly believe that both singleness and marriage are a gift, then people who are currently single are going to train themselves to see with God's eyes and say, well, now it's not a bad thing that I'm free to go serve more in student ministry. I don't know. Whatever it is, I I have more time to invest in these students because I don't have my own kids that are a full mission field at home. Yeah. And so you're able to see, oh, I have this opportunity to go serve in this capacity. But if you're thinking the whole time, oh, well, I just want to be in the other category, you're going to completely yeah. miss it. Yeah, you miss so much by um, focusing on what you don't have instead of focusing on where God has you right now and what he does have for you. Because... Again, we all have a purpose, and God does have a plan, and he, I just, I've always thought it'll be so interesting someday when we get to heaven. I wonder if we'll have the opportunity to see, like, what would have happened within the body of Christ in church if we had all lived Hmm. with spiritual eyes, seeing God has a purpose for me, and I need to be doing this specific thing right now, as opposed to, 
I'm I'm surviving through this stage of my life. Right. I really wish I wish I was doing something else. Because, you know, God has us as a body and, and the body has everybody has a, an important role to play. And I think what an amazing thing could be happening if we were all focused on what does God want me to do right now as opposed to what do I want to be doing? Hmm. Yeah, I would hope that I don't say this in a way that that my meaning is misconstrued. I think that it's not a bad thing at all if you're single to desire to be married. No, like Paul not at Paul all. even says that. Right. So I want to make that really yeah. clear. But I do think that it would be so cool if we got to a point as the church, like the church at large but also just West Park specifically, if we did such a good job of cultivating community and being centered on mission that we weren't all just thinking about our marital status right. all the time. Right. Like it, it would be such a, a blessing if we as a church were at the point, and this is something that like all of us would have to wrestle with, but getting to a point where we're so focused on whether or not we're going to the loss with the gospel. Yeah. That how God uses us either as single people or married people just isn't the first and foremost thing that we're thinking about each day. Yeah. And I think that's partially living with eternity in view Mm. and thinking about the gospel and what that means. And sometimes that's a hard thing to always have in front of you. Yeah. Because there, there isn't anything wrong with desiring marriage. Um, so, but I, I think I would love to see that in our, church culture in general and at West Park and I you know and I'm maybe biased but I kind of think sometimes our our church culture at West Park um, I think we're pretty pretty good and open with singles and you know I mean there's always work to do but I think um, I would hope that we are embracing them well Hmm. so I don't know but I, I think we can't have a conversation <laughs> without some of the things. And I think that a lot of people in this room will understand this. The things that people say to you that you wish they wouldn't say to you when you're single. <laughs> this was the most fun part of our preparation. Yeah. yeah. So um, I this, this really cracks me up because um, I feel like I probably heard every single one of these. And I'm probably going to get agreement from every person in this room so i would say in this part of the conversation if you're not married i mean if you are married and you're hearing this please make a note of these please do not ever say these to your single friends even if you mean well do not say it even if it comes to your mind just keep it to yourself keep it to yourself would you like to start us out matthew Ooh, i'll start us out with a good one Don't tell your single friends that when they are fully content in the Lord, God will bless them with a spouse. Yeah. That is bad theology. That is bad theology. There is not a single place in scripture where God has promised you that your devotion to him will result in the blessing of marriage. Right. That's, yeah. Because you know what that does to a single person? I I remember this. I'd be like, it would create more anxiety in my mm. life. I'd be like, oh, I'm not fully content with God. 
but that wasn't the truth, you know. It just right. created more angst of, oh, again, I'm not doing something right, and that's why I'm not getting married. Right. People start looking around saying, wait, so all the married people are, are all the spiritually mature people right. who are grown up and satisfied in the Lord, and then you're seeing marriages that are struggling. Right. And you're realizing, wait a second, like, we're all growing in the Lord together. Yeah. So don't say that to single people. Yeah, and I think the other one that this was would follow that up with when you least expect it the right person will come along well what if i'm constantly expecting it <laughs> that's a problem i i mean you know it's like okay no that's like again marriage isn't going to take you by surprise surprise <laughs> here's your spouse i mean that's not typically the way it works but yeah i've got a good one for you okay so this is this might be one of the most well-meaning things that a Christian might say to a, a, a single Christian. Don't say it. I just know. I just know God has someone out there for you. Mm, how do Did you he tell that? you that? <laughs> <laughs> Did he come down and whisper that in your ear? And if so, why didn't he tell why me that? Why didn't he tell me? Because right now I'm not so sure. Yeah. And I, know. I, I know that God will speak into your life about things going on in, in other people's lives. Like that's part of being in community. But maybe maybe he's got something to say to you about your life before he's got something to say about. <laughs> I know, that's just an interesting promise that a lot of people tell other people. I'm like, that seems to be interesting yeah. that of all the things that God is coming down to tell people about, right? that is the, the thing, thing that every single person is being told. And they told. mean well. They're just trying to encourage you. Right. It's not necessarily encouraging because when people said that to me, I was like, but I don't know that. Right. It just, it did not alleviate my doubt of whether or not I was ever going to find somebody. And it's setting you up to be disappointed in God. Right. And to feel like God has let you down on something that God never promised you. Yeah. Exactly. Well, here's one of my personal favorites, especially as a female. I was at an event one time and a much younger person than myself, who had been married for about a year, looked at me and said, so when's it going to be your turn? I thought I would come undone because I was like, uh, and it was really pretty funny because her husband looked at her and he just shook his head like, I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. But I was like, please don't ever ask somebody when it's their turn, especially don't ever ask a girl who would never ask a guy out. For me, it was like, I felt like if God wants me to be married, he's going to bring me a man that will ask me out. And so for me, I had zero control over that. So you asking me when it's my turn only infuriated me and I was like well and as I recall I kind of had a snarky response that I had to pray about later but yeah please don't ask somebody when it's their turn don't no it's because it might not ever and and if that's what God's plan is okay that's but yeah in the similar vein you'll get when people say like they haven't seen you in a while yeah they're like oh so have you found somebody yet Oh, you got you got a little girlfriend? <laughs> and it's like, man, we haven't seen each other in six months. Like, I've got other things going on <laughs> in life. And this is, this is one that's on the list. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and she was telling me that when she was in college, every time she would be back home for a break, there was somebody in her neighborhood, just like <laughs> some, some older man. And every conversation would just be, 
so do you have a boyfriend yet? And it's like, well, way to make her feel like she's now got yeah. nothing else of value going on in her life unless she's in a relationship. Yeah. So don't say that one Which to, to single people. Yeah. Um, also, one of my personal favorites, I don't understand why you're still single. <laughs> I just don't get it. I mean, like, I don't get it. Okay, well, yeah, neither did I. I mean, I didn't think I was, you know, Miss America or Theology Barbie, but I, I was like, I don't know. I just haven't been on a date in 10 years. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> By telling someone, I don't understand why you're still single, it doesn't help them. <laughs> no. Now you're going to go, wait a second. Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. That's a really good question. What's <laughs> wrong with me? You should ask the other people. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And the last one that we've got written down, even though there's a, there's more, there's, there's plenty more. It's a, uh, you never know when it'll happen. I know this person that, oh. oh, when they were, when they were 65. They got married for the first time at 65 and it was a blessing, which again, it is, but don't tell a 25 year old. <laughs> Hey, I have a really good aunt that finally got married at 60. <laughs> nope, don't do it. Just don't do it. And, and it is. And she was happy, and that's fantastic. But just say, I think maybe what would be encouraging? That's what we need to end with. What would, what be, would be an encouraging thing to say? I think... A lot of it comes down to listening to people's experiences and remembering the thing about the gifts, right. right? The season of life that you're in is a good thing. Just because somebody's single doesn't mean that they're suffering. And just because somebody's in, in the same boat that like, just because somebody's married doesn't mean that they're suffering. Right. It would be weird to walk up to a married couple, find out or, or walk up to somebody that's married, find out that they're married and then apologize. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Although hey, well, some people do that. Maybe one day, maybe one day you won't be. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> like, that'd be a no, weird thing were, to say. Weird. Yeah. So don't go up and say that to single people and assume that, that their life is, their life is worse right. as a result. But I think you can hear and listen to people's concerns for whatever season of life they're in. Like married people have struggles in their life that are unique to being married and so do single people. And part of being the body of Christ is just hearing people out and letting them speak to their experiences and not, yeah, just, just letting people yeah, speak to their own experiences. And, and I would encourage married people, um, if you have a single friend that comes to you and is really struggling and wants to be married and is not in that position to get married, don't downplay your marriage or try to tell them all the things that are wrong with your marriage. Yeah. Because then that's just even more confounding to the single person. Because then it's like, well, what am I struggling or desiring that so much if you're so miserable? Don't do not do that. It's yeah. not, first of all, it's not fair to your spouse. Not cool. It's not a good look. But... It also does not speak the truth to them that, yeah, this is the season that I'm in. And I know you desire to be here in this season, but you have so much value hmm. now. And God is doing incredible things yeah. for you now. And I think also recognizing that, especially for single people, like it ebbs and flows, like how you feel about it. Yeah. Like you're not always in a constant state of the the same thing and... 
Like I know even in my own life, like there are days where I'm like, oh, I really want to be married. Like I feel, I feel like I'm missing out on something that I desire. And then there are other days where you're just not thinking about it right. or you're completely content where you're at because you know, like, oh, well, I've, God's got me here and I'm serving in ministry in different avenues. And so, yeah, you don't want people to assume kind of one thing or another, but just let them speak to where yeah. they're at at any given moment or season. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's basically what any person would hope for any kind of situation they're going through. Just listen. Everybody wants to be able to talk and just say, this is how I'm feeling, whether or not it's valid, whether I'll feel like this tomorrow or even by this afternoon. This is how I feel and this is where I'm at. Hmm. And um, as the person that's listening, I would encourage you to pour back into their lives biblical truth about who God says that they are and what he's doing in their lives. So I think this has been a great conversation. I think so too. I hope it's been beneficial. And um, I did want to mention, you you know, you had talked earlier about, as we've talked the whole time about singleness being a gift. For those of you um, who know Stephanie Kozik, one of our global partners, she wrote a fantastic article for an online Christian magazine. And the article is called, does God want me to be single forever? And it's on Crosswalk. Yeah. Anyway, I'll link that in the show notes. It's it's a really good article, and it talks a lot about what we've talked about today. I wanted to throw that out because it, it, she, she did a great job writing that. But thanks for joining us today. We are glad that you have been here for this conversation, and we hope that it's been encouraging to you all. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Impact the World. To find out more about West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit westparkbaptist.org.